Coming up on We Talk News This Week, MJ BizCon and MJ Unpacked. History now in Las Vegas as over 30,000 people return to check out the trade show business. Plus, cannabis flower is coming to New York State as long as you're in the Rochester area and have a medical card. Plus, employers in the Empire State can't fire employees for cannabis use after hours anymore. And more bad news for the vape industry as the U.S. Postal Service bans shipping of cartridges and hardware. Plus, is there movement towards cannabis reform at the federal level? Ten Republican senators are leaning in that direction. Details on that and more on We Talk News next. Pro-cannabis media programming and PCM-TV is supported by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first. And by Salient Systems for Video Surveillance. You've got regulations, Salient has solutions for your security needs. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. And by Artery Pay, easy, cheap, fun, and legal just like cannabis should be. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Talk News. I'm Jimmy Young from pro-cannabis media. I'm Elena Pinto from Pro Cannabis Media, and our top story today is a look back at the largest cannabis trade show in the world. It's the 10th annual MJ BizCon in Las Vegas, and Jimmy was there. So how were the crowds for the first face-to-face cannabis convention in Las Vegas? And it's been two years, right? That's right. And I'll tell you what, there was probably 95% masked up, as were the Um, regulations for the Las Vegas Convention Center, about 27,000 attendees. And that's about 85% of the record turnout of 2019. CEO of MJ Biz Daily, Chris Walsh, was relieved after a difficult two years off because of the pandemic. It's extremely gratifying. We had a very tough year in 2020. I think all of us did in one sense or another, right? Uh, For a business like ours too, it was very rough. And I had taken over as CEO in January of last year and, uh, you know, got into a period with COVID where we had to make business changes. We couldn't do MJ BizCon. We couldn't do our events and we had to really rethink what we were doing. So to finally have gotten here to a place where we have the industry all together, it's bustling, it's busy. People are excited about the future of cannabis. It's a really surreal and amazing feeling that we were able to come roaring back, not only as MJ BizCon, but also as an industry. And the industry did really well throughout all this. And you can see it here. Other events are coming back at 50% of where they were in 19. Look around here, look at the buzz. Look at how many people are here. This industry's rocking and rolling. So we're really excited. On the other side of the strip was MJ Unpacked at Mandalay Bay, a much smaller trade show more focused on investment capital. There, I interviewed the Marijuana Industry Trade Association's Dimitri Downing from Arizona, who believes interstate commerce of cannabis is coming sooner rather than later. You have to wrestle with how you deploy capital and plan for long term, and we all know interstate commerce is coming within three to seven years. 
We need an industry that's going to advocate aggressively for interstate commerce. And when interstate commerce comes, hopefully, you won't have to manufacture in all these states just adjust to little things like labeling, testing, and packaging, et cetera. Now we've shipped over to paradigm two over the last 10, 12 years, which is the concept that we're kind of wrestling with right now that we've uh, inherited and kind of accepting merit-based applications, limited licensing applications. There can only be a few dispensaries. There can only be a few manufacturers. All that is nonsense. We need to fight for paradigm three, which is the open markets, which is competition, which is opportunity, because ultimately paradigm three is going to be best for the patients and the consumer. Coming up on Green Rush Live, the business of cannabis this week is interstate commerce of cannabis already legal under the Constitution and laws? One law professor from Vanderbilt University says, yes, it's Professor Robert Mikos and his thoughts were published by the BU Law Press. Now he'll be joined with legal leaders, compliance officers, CEOs, and other economists to debate this on Green Rush Live, the business of cannabis talk show on PCM-TV and pro-cannabis media. California is arguably known as the world's epicenter for weed, but the grass isn't so green for everyone in the industry there. The founder of a medical dispensary in San Luis Obispo has pleaded guilty to bribery charges. With that and more on the California cannabis scene right now, here's Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report. I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing you the roundup from the great cannabis state of California for Weed Talk News. An Emerald Cup judge likes what he's seeing in 2021. Joey Sullivan is head of procurement for Mercy Wellness, but on the side, he coordinates the judging effort for the Emerald Cup, the industry's premier annual event for judging the quality of this year's crop. And how's the 2021 harvest shaping up? Honestly, right now, it's probably been the most promising I've seen in a couple of years, Sullivan told LA Weekly, especially since fire season didn't impact the Emerald Triangle very much this year. As for what he's seeing so far, a lot of exotics, but expectations about a lot of dessert weed like cakes, gelatos, and sherbets have proven correct so far. Oaktown, otherwise known as the city of Oakland, is known for its cannabis social equity programs. According to a report shared with the Oakland Cannabis Commission, 59 social equity license recipients have secured $3.7 million in loans from the city. About 60% of the loans are current, 34% are at least a little behind, and 7% or four social equity businesses are so far behind, the city has sent them to collections. Jason Russell of San Francisco Attorney said these borrowers sent to collections don't have many options because corporate bankruptcy laws are federal laws and therefore unavailable to cannabis businesses. Rumor has it that the legal cannabis industry does about $7 billion in revenue, but the illicit market does eight. One reason is too many cultivation licenses, which produce about three times what the population demands. At the same time, too few dispensaries. Almost 70% of the cities and counties opted out of allowing cannabis shops. And as a result, there are only two dispensaries per 100,000 people in California. By comparison, Oregon and Colorado have about 18 shops for every 100,000 residents, and Alaska, even more. Operation Hammer Strike is getting results. Over the last eight weeks, the Sheriff's Office has served 183 search warrants, made 238 arrests, 
and seized 187,000 cannabis plants, 39,000 pounds of processed cannabis, 57 guns, and $563,449 exactly in cash. No change. Which the sheriff's office described as illicit narcotic sales proceeds, which means the sheriff's office is going to be grabbing that cash. Operation Hammerstrike has also taken down 1,000 greenhouses and two extraction labs. And I'm Christopher Smith for the American Cannabis Report, sending peace and love from the Cannabis Heaven, California, for Weed Talk News. Hey, Elena, have you ever had to take a drug test for employment? Nope, haven't. Well, if you're in New York, now that the Department of Labor has introduced new guidelines, you can actually consume your favorite cannabis plant at home. Just make sure you don't bring your weed to work or show up high. That's a precedent-changing policy in that state now that New York has legal adult-use cannabis laws. And that's not the only changes in New York State. Their medical program has never been able to sell flour to their patients, just tinctures and edibles and topicals. But now that the adult-use law is in place, medical dispensaries can now sell flour to their patients. The only issue with this right now is that you have to be in Rochester, New York, and you have to go to Columbia Care because they are the only ones licensed to do just that at this point, Jimmy. And now with our Michigan report, here's the normal executive director for that state and our canicaster, Rick Thompson. Rick? Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. The big news of the week is the performance of the House Regulatory Reform Committee on Tuesday regarding the controversial package of six bills proposing to radically change the 12-year-old medical marijuana program. The first contentious hearing saw Committee Chair Roger Houck give preferential treatment during testimony to government agents, public relations specialists, and corporate sponsors. They received 80% of the time available for testimony, forcing the 100 patients and caregivers to have their say after some of the committee members had left the chamber to attend to other duties. Despite stating over and over that everyone would get their chance to speak, in the end, it was all a lie. The committee resolved their voting business and dismissed from the chamber with more than one hour of committee time remaining Representative Hawk could have used that empty time to allow testimony from the organizations and people affected by the proposed changes. He did not. The chamber was filled to standing room only capacity with people ready to tell their story. Once again, government refused to let the people speak. Now, the next stop for these bills is the House floor, again, where citizens are not allowed to speak and corporate money buys votes on a regular basis. We'll keep you updated on the progress of the bill package. November 4th is lobby day for Michigan's patient, caregiver, and adult use consumer groups. Dozens of participants are already registered and will engage the lawmakers on a variety of issues of relevance to consumer groups, including the bills I just mentioned. But there's no cost to attend and participate. Groups are meeting in the Lansing offices of the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association to prepare for the multi-pronged effort. Register to participate in the lobby day by visiting minormal.org slash no changes. And Tom Beller of Real Leaf Solutions is in the news again. Now, Wednesday was his birthday and congratulations, but he's in the news for publishing an op-ed with his wife, Krista, regarding the role of the regulated industry in the parallel caregiver program in Michigan. 
Mr. Beller argues that the two systems are complementary, not in conflict. And as former caregivers themselves, he and Krista are in support of keeping the current medical program as is, without changes. You can find that editorial on bridgemi.com. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson and Weed Talk News. Opportunity grows on the East Coast. This month, medical marijuana patients in Connecticut can finally start cultivating their own plants. Under the state's recreational law, adults 21 and older can grow plants starting in July of 2023. So that's a bit of a wait. So Governor Ned Lamont is taking marijuana matters into his own hands and implementing new legislation to move things along. Now, medical patients 18 and older can grow up to six personal plants. They have to be grown indoors and kept away from recreational users and minors. But still, it's good news for those medicinal users who would have otherwise had to wait another year and a half for the recreational rule to take effect. With that, let's get to our green nurse report from Jesse Lynn Dolan in Vermont. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. In town news around Vermont, both Londonderry and Jamaica voted to allow cannabis retailers to set up shop next year. Jamaica also rejected an article to allow integrative licenses, which effectively bans large-scale cannabis operations from the town. Woodstock will be voting about retail shops at Village Meeting in March, and the Ludlow Select Board will be having a retail cannabis informational meeting on Monday, November 1st, with the vote scheduled for Tuesday, November 2nd. Vermont Cannabis Control Board Advisory Committee member Tim Wessel published an op-ed in Vermont Digger opposing a recent decision by the licensing subcommittee to cap town cannabis licenses at $100 a year. Chris Brimmer, the zoning administrator for the town of Fairley and secretary of the Vermont Progressive Party, also published an op-ed in Vermont Digger saying the 1% option tax should be automatic instead of opt-in. High Fidelity Inc., the parent company of Series Med, formerly Champlain Valley Dispensary, applied for an Act 250 permit for building a $6.6 million facility in Milton to grow, harvest, and process cannabis, largely expanding its current corporate operations. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Elena, have you ever visited the INSA dispensary in East Hampton or Springfield, Massachusetts, by any chance? East Hampton. I definitely have been there. Well, we've been to East Hampton as well. That's the manufacturing uh, dispensary for INSA. But the really cool, what I would call destination dispensary is INSA in Springfield. It's right down the street from the Basketball Hall of Fame. And right now, INSA is celebrating because they were the most awarded brand in the first ever High Times Cannabis Cup for Massachusetts. Now, I believe there were 11 categories. They won for Best Vape Sativa. And I've got to recommend this product, the Double Caramel Sea Salt Chocolates. Again, just making it, just saying that yeah. makes yeah. your mouth water, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, they're, they're so, they're so good. Julian Rose is the director of manufacturing there. He's a award-winning chocolatier. We have sampled those items at INSA and we want to congratulate the INSA dispensary for that with more from the Massachusetts area, the Bay State Cannabis Report, if you will. Here's Ron Marshall. See, Ron? I'm 
Ron Marshallsey with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Deanna Martin, the owner of Northern Herb, was sentenced to four years in prison for tax evasion, money laundering, and cannabis distribution and possession. Northern Herb allowed medical marijuana to be purchased and delivered to those who did not prove that they were registered with the Massachusetts Medical Cannabis Program. From May 2016 through July 2018, Northern Herb's revenue exceeded $14 million and did not pay taxes on its profits. They also did not withhold, remit, or pay any payroll or income taxes, including not reporting worker wages to the IRS. Through the High Times' first-ever Massachusetts Cannabis Cup, cannabis consumers across the state selected INSA as its most awarded brand. Products came from 45 local brands, and INSA was a finalist in six categories, including two first-place awards. Co-founder of INSA, Peter Gallagher, was quoted as saying, For the very first time in Massachusetts, High Times Magazine asked cannabis consumers to judge the state's range of products, and we are honored that people across Massachusetts rated INSA products so highly. To be judged as the Commonwealth's most awarded brand overall is a true honor. INSA's products are sold at their own retail stores in East Hampton, Springfield, and Salem, as well as other retailers throughout Massachusetts. Speaking of products, Garden Remedies, a cannabis shop in the state, has introduced a new type of spice in an edible for Halloween, and it's not pumpkin spice. Made with ghost pepper and capsaicin extract from a Massachusetts supplier, the spooky spicy gummy edible packs a punch of heat. The head of the kitchen at Garden Remedies wanted to take advantage of all the spicy food challenges that have been popping up across social media. Thus, the spooky spicy gummy edible was created. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey. Delta 8 has been the buzz of the cannabis market this year, making headlines with its mere existence in a legal gray area. But unlike other states that have outright banned the synthetic cannabinoid, Louisiana is looking to bite into the trend by allowing Delta 8 in food. Under Louisiana state law, consumable hemp is allowed. And according to the State Department of Health, applications are now open for businesses to use cannabinoids in food, including Delta-8. Meanwhile, the FDA won't come up with guidelines for CBD in food. So no wonder Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas said our federal cannabis laws are contradictory. Oklahoma allows Delta 8 sales, and their cannabis industry seems to be booming, at least in some capacity, as Dion Osborne explains in our Oklahoma report. I'm Dion Osborne with the Black Wall Street Times. This is We Talk News. I recently sat down with a director of Oklahomans for Responsible Cannabis Action to talk about two bills that were recently filed, two petitions, one to legalize recreational marijuana and one to give the industry its own freestanding agency. So the effort here, what we're doing with the petitions that have been put forth, uh, is we're looking to keep the success but clean up the mess. The issue of expungements uh, was, was, was intentionally placed in this, in this proposal. Um, tell me why you felt it was important to include that. Uh, we believe that there are some common sense things uh, that uh, that hold people back unnecessarily. That's basically residue mm -hmm. from the war on drugs, and so we want to clean that up. I've heard maybe ten, twelve thousand folks that would probably qualify for this type of records expungement. That's very interesting to to, to hear that that is in this bill. Um, so on to the Medical Marijuana Enforcement and Transparency Act. 
by having our own freestanding agency, it will increase transparency. There's another thing going on there. Industrial hemp is currently a complete different side deal for Department of Agriculture. So what we want is an Oklahoma Cannabis Commission that deals with all of it. It's all the same plan. I'm Dion Osborne with the Black Wall Street Times. This is We Talk News. There's been another acquisition of a media company that is pro-cannabis. Behringer Capital, a private equity firm, has acquired a majority stake in the stock market site Benzinga for $300 million. Now, Benzinga was started in 2010 by Jason Rasnick on a $3,000 monthly budget. Hmm. Benzinga now has an international workforce of more than 100 pros and a monthly readership of base of 25 million people in over 125 countries. Now, with the Green Market Report, here's Deborah Borchardt. Deborah. This is the business update for Weed Talk News from the Green Market Report. This week, the trial between MedMen and its former CFO, James Parker, got underway. Parker stunned the industry with his explosive allegations when he filed his case in 2019. He claimed back then that MedMen founders Adam Bierman and Andrew Modlin were paying brokers to prop up the stock price, amongst other allegations. And he also said that they created a toxic workplace. MedMen says Parker was just a bad CFO who broke his contract. MedMen also named a new COO this week. Hydrofarm bought the company Innovative Growers Equipment for $58 million and lowered their guidance, blaming an oversupply of cannabis. The company now forecasts net sales in the range of $470 to $490 million, before the forecast was for over half a billion dollars in sales. And finally, Stem Holdings, also known as Driven by Stem, is buying High Country Supply, better known as Colorado Harvest Company. They are one of Denver's oldest and most respected vertically integrated operators with two delivery permits, three retail dispensaries, and two cultivation facilities. Now, they didn't say what they paid for them, but they did say that the company is expecting $13 million in sales in 2021. And that's it for this week. I'm Deborah Borchart with the Weed Talk News business update from the Green Marker Report. A back and forth in the Badlands. People in South Dakota voted to legalize adult use cannabis back in 2020, but Governor Kristi Noem challenged it with a lawsuit. Well, this week, a state cannabis committee decided to push forward a new draft bill that would allow that legalization to move forward. The bill must now go before an executive board before it's formally recommended to be taken up by the full legislator next year. For a look at what else is happening in the heartland, here's Brandon Jones with the Missouri Report. I'm Brandon Jones with Distribution Maven for the Missouri Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. My first story today comes out of KOMU.com. Missouri marijuana seized by Kansas sheriff under scrutiny. You can't believe this story until I tell you. So a lady was pulled over on the 17th by a Kansas uh, deputy, asked what she was doing. She reported that she was driving from Colorado to Kansas City. She worked with a cash transfer company, and she was going to go to a couple medical marijuana dispensaries to pick up cash and then transport it back to Colorado. Well, the deputy let her go, gave her just a warning, and actually after he left, he started a DEA uh, surveillance on her. They watched her go to five different dispensaries, get bags, put it into her car, and when she left to go back out of Missouri to go back to Colorado, she was pulled over by the exact same deputy. He seized over $165,000, and now the federal courts are trying to decide 
if that money is actually allowed by Kansas to take or if they can get it back. Crazy story. My second story today comes out of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and a key vendor in Missouri's medical marijuana program was hit with a $28 million judgment. So one of the consulting companies that said uh, that they could actually get GMT to be approved was not able to get the companies approved for different uh, dispensary licenses. And so they sued that consulting firm and found that they didn't do enough, they were actually negligent in performing their duties to get the actual licenses approved. So they were hit for 28 million. Be careful if you're a consultant company, make sure you know what you're doing, you work hard and you take care of the dot in your I's and crossing your T's. I'm Brandon Jones with the Missouri Cannabis Award for We Talk News. Thanks a lot and have a great weekend. A few months ago, UPS and FedEx decided they would stop shipping bait-based hardware to that industry. And now the U.S. Postal Service has decided they also would not ship vapes and cartridges in the mail. And there has been some movement across the political aisle in Washington, D.C. According to Tom Angel's Marijuana Moment News Service out of Washington, D.C., 10 Republicans are supporting legalization of cannabis reform. No word on when cannabis reform may come to a vote in Congress. However, this is the first sign that Republicans may start to understand that they should listen to their constituents who do favor legalization. Excuse me. For the rest of the stories from Washington, D.C., here's Vote Pro Podcasts, Phil Adams. Phil. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, and this is the Weed Talk News D.C. Report. A federal drug agency says Schedule I classification creates undue barriers to cannabis research. According to a report submitted by Congress by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, the myriad restrictions and requirements imposed by the Drug Enforcement Administration has impeded the study into the potential risks and benefits of cannabis to an extent that constitutes a public health concern. Research scientists and institutions cite a lack of transparency, regarding DEA requirements, long and unexpected delays in federal authorization, layers of complex regulatory compliance, and limitations on samples available for study. A group of Maryland lawmakers meeting to discuss a process for cannabis legalization in the state are now dealing with the issue of what to do about prior convictions. Members of the House Cannabis Referendum and Legalization Work Group have laid out three possible legislative paths to address the hundreds of thousands of cases potentially eligible for some form of clemency. These include expungement, completely removing the case from police and court records, shielding, keeping records of a conviction from public view, and sealing, preventing access to conviction records without a court order. Maryland District Court Chief Judge John P. Morrissey told the work group this week that whichever route is taken will be highly labor intensive and require manual intervention by hundreds of additional clerks over a period of several years. Yet another study has found teen use of cannabis has not increased as a result of legalization. A survey conducted by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration found that past year cannabis use among teens aged 12 to 17 fell from 13.2% to 10.1% between 2019 and 2020. Use among 18 to 25 year olds also dropped slightly during that time frame. These findings are consistent with similar studies conducted in recent years by the Journal of the American Medical Association, 
the National Institute on Drug Abuse, the National Center for Education Statistics, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's the Weed Talk news from around the Beltway. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. So Elena, I admit I'm painfully unhip, especially when it comes to hip hop artists. Have you ever heard of Little Kim? Yes. I have heard of Lil' Kim Jimmy, but her actual name is Kimberly Denise Jones, and she is introducing a line of flower called Aphrodisiac. It's in partnership with Superbet Inc. So yes, it's another celebrity adding their name on the pro-cannabis column. But Jimmy, you did hear about this new Harris poll, right? About Americans supporting regulation? That's regulation, not legalization, since I know 70% of Americans do support cannabis legalization at the federal level, while many in the industry really just want decriminalization first. But that's not what this poll is about, right? No, this is about proper labeling for legally sold products. In fact, 80% of Americans want better labeling on legal products. So basically, we're looking for a consumer approval code for legal products. And I'm all for that. You agree, right, Elena? Yes, that's it. I mean, there's a lot of money in legal cannabis. They should be able to put a consumer approval legal product label on their product. Yes, I like it. I like it. All right. Well, I hope you like Weed Talk News for this week, because as we like to say on this show, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Let's use it responsibly. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media. And I'm Elena Pinto from Pro Cannabis Media. We'll see you next time. PCM TV is supported by Salient Systems, a world leader in video management security, and by Revolutionary Clinics, a medical dispensary where the patient comes first, and by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area. Now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. Difference is building a solution for that individual. Not just a custom, here's a box, here's a video, here's how you make your VMS. We custom design and custom build every situation for exactly what the customer needs. And we keep the cost low. We have multiple tiers, you know, as far as what you're looking at on the cost side of things. If you want a one-time, you know, where you just pay one initial cost, we have that. If you want to maintain your system and have the highest protection and highest capabilities and highest upgrades at all times, we have different plans for you. But we scale it so it's scalable and affordable 100%. Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCannaMedia, on Instagram at ProCannabisMedia, 
on LinkedIn, also at Pro Cannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on Pro Cannabis Media, Twitter at Pro Media, and on twitch.tv backslash Pro Cannabis Media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are Pro Cannabis Media.